Well, thank you for being here uh, this morning. That uh, song and really all of our music this morning certainly fits uh, the message uh, for this morning together. Our time together in God's Word uh, comes mainly from uh, my reflections uh, on several passages of Scripture that were part of a a daily devotional reading recently. When I read all of the related verses, many of which I will share with you this morning, uh, I was really overwhelmed and amazed that God takes an interest in me and in you to the extent that he invites you and he bids you to come to him. In fact, throughout the Bible, God is inviting individuals uh, to come to him. For example, Isaiah 45 and verse 22 states, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Uh, That statement through the prophet Isaiah given by God is very broad and wide and it is a universal call to all humanity, even beyond Israel, to turn to God in faith. And then you have Jeremiah 3 and verse uh, 22, which was God's call to the unfaithful Israelites, uh, his own people. He says this to them, Return, faithless people. I will cure you of your backsliding. Backsliding is that falling away from God. It's interesting because that verse doesn't end there. It has a response written right in it. Yes, we will come to you, for you are the Lord our God. How many of you know that when God calls that... uh, He has an RSVP attached to it. In other words, uh, that means that your response to him is expected. What is amazing is that God wants, he desires uh, a relationship. He wants fellowship. He wants communion with the likes of you uh, and me. Considering that we are less than perfect people. In fact, we are fallen, sinful human beings. And yet God acts in love. Uh, And we're told about this in Romans chapter 5 and verse um, 6. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Note here that God does not expect you or me or anyone else to try to clean up our act or try to better ourselves before we come to him and respond to him. Quite the opposite. When when we were powerless, when we were at our worst, uh, 
God did something in love through his son Jesus Christ to make us acceptable to him in a place where he can receive us. And in fact, he does call us to himself. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, states this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, those in Christ are those who have responded to the gospel call, have come to faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone as their Savior and Lord. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. See, there's a transformation that takes place when, when you and I come by faith to Jesus Christ for salvation. He transforms us from the inside out, and one day he will complete that when he gives us our glorified and resurrected bodies. And we will be made complete in him in every way. So there's transformation. And God did this note in verse 18, Paul says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that that God did? Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. See, at the cross, God brought about a reconciliation, a coming together of fallen humanity and holy God. And it was through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that's the message that we proclaim, as Paul says, we are therefore ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In other words, accept his invitation. Come to him in faith. Respond affirmatively and say yes to Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord of your life. In fact, Paul goes on to say in verse 21 that God did this by the work of Christ on the cross when God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, God acts in love by providing the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and he provided the way for you and I to come to be accepted by him. Christ died for us. But maybe we should personalize that this morning and say, Christ died for me. Do you believe that? And even though we have this relationship with God through his grace, to us in Jesus Christ. Many times our, our sins, our failures, our shortfalls keep us uh, from coming to God. See, just coming to faith in Jesus Christ and being forgiven of your sins and being transformed from the inside out does not make you and I perfect. We still have a fallen, sinful nature. How many of you would agree this morning that it's still active though it's been judged by God. And when that happens that we, we fall short, we shy away. We stay away. Because we know we're guilty. And the Holy Spirit brings that conviction and says, you, you fell short here. You, you blew it. You've done wrong. You've fallen short. But yet in spite of that, God bids you and I 
that we come. That we come. Look at Isaiah chapter 1 with me for a moment, verses 18, 18 through 20. And this is set in the context of God pointing out the sin of his people. In fact, verse 4, just to give you some of the context, God says through the prophet Isaiah, Ah, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Can you imagine that this was said of God's covenant people? The ones that he called out to be his very own, and yet he says they were falling short. And in that context of his people, he says, verse 8, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be as wool. And God, once again, gives an invitation for his wayward people to come back, to to return to him. And even though they were laden down with sin of all sorts and every type, the worst of which, and maybe was the culmination of all, was turning their very backs on God, verse 4, he says, come. And God provides a way and a means for cleansing, for forgiveness, for acceptance. And you know, that's not limited to the Old Testament or even to uh, the people uh, in that time. In Matthew chapter 11 uh, and verse 28, we read these words. Matthew chapter 11 uh, and verse 28, Jesus is speaking and he says, Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You burdened by your your sins this morning, your failures, your shortcomings, your unmet expectations or unfulfilled vows that you've made to God, and it's been maybe some time and you haven't followed through and you're burdened by that. Jesus says, come, come to me, all You who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll rest you. I'll forgive you, and and you will come to a place of rest before me where that is no longer a burden to you. I will take your sins away. And he says, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Maybe not necessarily physical rest, though God does bless us with that. That is one of his gifts. But the, the rest for your souls where we are troubled and, and, and shaken and, and in turmoil and in uncertainty. And God says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Do you know the rest of God this morning? He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me. And what is the promise of Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25? Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. He's able to save you completely. Uh, One translation says, to the uttermost. (laughs) He doesn't sort of 
leaves certain things sort of in the background that may come back to be a, 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 ca- a cause of trouble in your life or that which would keep you from him and ultimately from full salvation. So let me ask you this morning, have you come to God through faith in Jesus Christ by accepting the gospel invitation? Only those who come to God by faith in Jesus Christ are forgiven uh, of their sins. So how do we come? How do you respond? How are you and I to respond? And how, how do we come? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 gives us insight into this, at least one of our points here. How do we come? Hebrews chapter 6, and, and, or excuse me, chapter 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. How do we respond? We respond in faith, believing that God exists. That that he really is there. That there is a God, a true and living God. And he's revealed himself uh, in his word. He's made himself known. He's left himself witness in creation. But creation can only tell you so much about God. God then gave us a book called the Bible, 66 individual books in one, so that we might know him, that we might know that he exists. But secondly, the writer to the Hebrews says this, we not only come in faith believing that God is, but we come expectantly. He continues and says that God exists, that's what a person must have, that faith that God exists, And he must believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In other words, that that God not only exists, but that when you come to him and you seek him and you are earnest in seeking him, he doesn't turn a deaf ear to you. He doesn't turn you aside. He doesn't reject you. He doesn't turn you away. Jesus says, anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. But he rewards those who diligently seek him. In other words, what you seek God for in salvation and the forgiveness of your sins and a right relationship with God and even all the things of this life in seeking him, that he responds. And when he responds, he offers you something good. And that something good is eternal salvation in Jesus Christ number one, and secondly, a personal relationship with himself. Think about that for a moment with me. God offers you and to me through invitation in bidding us to come to him, a personal relationship with him, the supreme God of the universe, the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who has created all things and set everything in motion. And the God who not only set all things in motion, but continues to sustain this world and uphold it because he has a plan not only for today and tomorrow, but for all eternity. Do you know him this morning? Do you believe in him? Do you come to him believing that he is? But secondly, uh, God calls us to come humbly. Humbly. 
James put it this way. And I find it interesting that, again, the letter that James wrote uh, in the New Testament was written to believing people. And just to give you a little bit of the context of that, apparently the people that he was writing to had some problems because he says here, verse 4 of James 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Apparently they were living in such a way that it looked like they were friends and buddies with the world in the sense that they were living as unbelieving people. And James is saying that shouldn't be so. Interesting, as I already mentioned, that God's people at times, many times, fall short and still need to come and to return. Because God says then, through James, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble at the end of verse 6. Verse 7, he says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. See, come near to God. Come to him, and he'll come near to you. And there are things that, that he, we're exhorted to do here. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Ch change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And what James is saying to God's people, and, and that the word says to me and to you this morning is this, that God wants us to acknowledge our sin, our failures, our shortcomings before him. He calls us to forsake them. And because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit within us, and the new life that we have in Jesus Christ, we have the ability as God's people to say no to sin, to overcome it, to be free from it. Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You can be free from your sin this morning. It's already been forgiven if you're in Christ, but lo and behold, not just forgiven, you could be freed from its power in your life when you yield yourself to God. And God is in the process of transforming us to make us more like his son who was without sin. And that's God's ultimate purpose, that we reflect Jesus Christ in every way. And so he says it requires repentance on our part. See, repentance is not just for the unbeliever in coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It is that which the believer must do from time to time in being cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Repentance from sin, turning from it, and turning fully to God in faith. And as I mentioned, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, enables us to be a holy people who reflect Jesus in everything. So our response is this, that we come to God in faith and we come humbly when he bids us uh, to come. God's, God's desire for us is that our response be one of acceptance uh, of his call. Because none of those who uh, refuse him uh, will prosper ultimately. 
They remain in bondage and under judgment of God. There's one last verse I share with us, actually, too, as we conclude and prepare our hearts for the Lord's table this morning. And this is a, a great verse out of Psalm 65 and verse 4. The psalmist says this, and I trust that you can agree to this, Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. Blessed are those whom you, you choose and, and, and you call and you work and you draw and they come and they dwell in your courts. Now that may have been in the psalmist's mind something that was in the natural in being able to worship at the temple, but there was a greater understanding of that that we are called to enjoy the very presence of God forever as we respond to him. And notice how the, the refrain, if you would, at the second half of verse 4 is a response to that. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Uh, we're satisfied with you, O oh God. We, we experience your goodness in our lives. And we recognize that. Thus, we, we, we come and we rejoice in your temple. When we come together, we worship you. And that's what's reflected in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22 and 23. Where the writer here exhorts believers once again in saying, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near with full assurance. Full assurance of what? That God has accepted us in the beloved. Full assurance of what? That we are forgiven of all our sins. Full assurance of what? That God will never leave us nor forsake us. Full assurance of what? That God keeps his promises. Full assurance of what? That one day we will enjoy eternity in his presence forever because of Christ and his redeeming grace. And then he says, verse 23, let us hold unwavering to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. Our God who loves us, who bids us come, is faithful. Faithful to his word, faithful to you as his people. So we come. And may we consider and respond to God who bids us come. And in particular this morning as we worship at the table of our Lord. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it truly is amazing grace. Your grace to us in Jesus Christ that overwhelms us. that you bid us to come to you in faith and in humility. That through Jesus Christ we are forgiven our sins, we are cleansed, we are made new, 
We are made your very people. Not only collectively as we're part of the church, the body of Christ, but individually. And so, Father, this morning, uh, as we've considered your word to us, may we respond as individuals and as a congregation, Lord, and come in faith to you with humility, recognizing, Father, that we as your people do fall short. But thank you, Father, that there is forgiveness with you that you are to be feared, that you cleanse us, that you purify us, that you enable us, Lord, to live a life that's pleasing to you, a life that's transformed, a life that reflects your very Son. And so, Father, as we prepare our hearts to partake of the Lord's table, may we come, even as you have invited us. In Jesus' name, amen.